So I have a question for you. Wouldn't it be easier if we could just control our surroundings and control people? If people just did what we asked them to do, life would be so much easier. But then life would not be so diverse and rich and exciting. The human element needs diversity, needs people that want to do their own thing. We cannot judge people. I used to judge a family member. Why did they hoard things? Why did they save every piece of memorabilia or something, a receipt that they pick up from the store? And then one day as I was going through things, I found something of value. And I am actually grateful that they held on to that thing because it was so valuable to me. And if you're listening to this, you know who I'm talking about. But let's talk about the interaction with people. And while in my book, The CEO's Compass, I spent a lot of time on the people and process compass point. We as leaders need to understand the unique qualities in ourselves and what makes us tick and the unique gifts of others and why do they act in a certain way. We need to understand their perspective their background, and what makes them special, because only then we can have great conversations. And my interview with Anne that you're about to listen to, she talks about just that emotional intelligence, which is really understanding yourself, the environment, and the interaction. If you've never been exposed to the topic, I suggest you look at it. It is very, very interesting science and can be exactly what you need to have in your back pocket, if not to be able to control the universe and people to better understand, get along and get what we need to get done. So let's listen to this conversation. Emotional intelligence, the studies have shown that it is more important than time management, than having vision, than even your communication skills. Because without emotional intelligence, you can't do those things. You you know, you can't effectively communicate without that empathy and stuff. So Emotional intelligence is huge. It's such a buzzword these days because it is so important. And the tough part is in dealing with other people, we can't control what anybody else does. So there's a degree of surrender (laughs) in emotional intelligence that people don't like, right? You're not doing things my way and I don't like that. You're not saying things the way that makes sense to me. So I don't like that, you know? And there's this degree of allowing other people to be themselves, like stop expecting ourselves and other people. And that's such a tough thing. And it's the sort of cornerstone of emotional intelligence when it comes to the social piece. There's the self piece, but then on the social side, it's stop expecting ourselves from other people. And that's hard. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello. And as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. 
Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I just want to thank you for joining me again for another episode of the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I am so fortunate. I meet some amazing people. I love the introductions that I am getting, and I cannot wait to bring this conversation to you. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And so today, it is my honor to speak with and bring the conversation of Anne Bonney to you. And oh my, she is fun, energetic, and an international motivational keynote speaker and influence igniter. She is an authority on change management, a two-time author, podcast host of Ignite Your Influence podcast. And she's in experience. She's experienced in the virtual, in-person, and hybrid workshop facilitator. And after 20 years in highly successful corporate and nonprofit leadership positions, Anne now uses her experience, education, and experience to ignite your ability to influence others by harnessing emotional intelligence, courageous communication, and effectively dealing with change. And it is my pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, Deb. It's great to be here. So shout out, shout out. I love giving shout outs to people that introduce us. Phil G, he's an amazing human. He interviewed me. I know he's interviewed you and he just likes networking and connecting people. And when I met Anne, and I kind of knew about Anne through another acquaintance, I just fell in love with her energy her smile, and how she even impacts you in the moment. So just thank you. Thank you for joining me on this interview, Anne. Yeah, it's great to be here. And yeah, our mutual friends there are all amazing people. So I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about yourself personally, your journey, and the work that you're doing now. And the reason why I ask that is because I think the area of change management, how we are coming across in the world, how we are perceived by others, and just having that courage can make the difference from being just a highly capable subject matter expert to somebody that's going to make a difference. So Anne, please share your story with us. Well, it all started in 1973 in Mountainside Hospital. Okay, we won't go back that far. I am a gypsy at heart. We lived overseas. My dad worked for Marriott Hotels when I was young. So I grew up in Saudi Arabia and Egypt and Greece and all the, you know, I moved back to the United States. I'm like, what's the problem here? Everything looks so new. (laughs) So I went through a lot of change in my youth and then went to boarding school, went to college, came out as a special needs teacher and then ended up training animals for a while, training seals and sea lions in Boston and then birds of prey in Arizona. Then for some reason, I decided I needed a big kid job and moved on and answered an admin newspaper in 2002 for Under Armour and this little sports apparel company with 80 people working there and grew with them for about 10 years and then moved on to a group exercise company out of New Zealand called Les Mills. They do high-end group exercise programming and then moved to New York City to be on the executive team of a large gym chain and had that big job that we all wanted, you know, that I thought I had worked my whole life for. And I was miserable. I hated it. And it was one of those things where I'm like, all right, well, is this it? You know, I'm in my 40s now. I kind of hadn't planned past 40. So I realized like, okay, I don't want the rest of my life to be like this. And so I left my corporate job, my six-figure Manhattan apartment, and my moved in with my parents at 42 years old to start my own business as a professional speaker, knowing nothing about being a professional speaker and knowing I'd done a lot of presentations with success. But 
all of these changes that I took on and went through throughout all of the life, it's kind of prepared me for this time and prepared me for focusing on all these uncomfortable things like change and courageous communication and all that stuff. So that's the short version, believe it or not. No, it's my pleasure. <laughs> and like my mouth is dropping here because you have gone through so much change. And so I am wondering, while your upbringing has put you in situations where you had to hopefully adopt or adapt to the change. Did change come easier for you? You just kind of built up some thick skin or is change still hard for you? I'm wondering. You know, it depends. Change is kind of my comfort zone because of my experience. I think it's a nature and a nurture thing. I think I am just one of those bulldozer kind of people who just plows through whatever. But sometimes change has been hard as picking change for me is easy and jumping into new things and doing that. But when things change around me and I'm like, hey, wait a minute, I didn't want this. I didn't ask for this. Like I think everybody, all the changes that came with the pandemic, I've had some job changes that I kind of saw the writing on the wall and was like, well, I guess I'll make a change. But it's not always easy. And so often... You can be all about change in certain areas and then not in others. So the reason why that so resonates with me by virtue of some of my past work, being the head of quality, the head of continuous improvement onto itself, change is part of what I do. So I too come in as a change agent when I go into a customer or client. But when change happens to me, oh my, (laughs) don't like it, don't want to be there. And it's how quickly can I get through the sorrow, the morning, the pity party, and then say, what can I do with the next couple minutes or hours short of the adult beverage? So it's those resiliency things. And I'm curious for you, when change happens to you, where do you go? What are some of those tools that you use to get through it and move forward? One of them is acknowledging my feelings about it. For so long, and I think this is because I've studied emotional intelligence so much, I see both sides and sometimes I give more weight to the other side and being so understanding and empathetic about, oh, it was a business decision. Oh, this is, you know, and then I don't give any credit to my own feelings. And so I've learned over time to really say, okay, yes, it was a business decision. And I don't like it. And I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And I'm going to go punch a couch pillow because I'm really frustrated about this. And by naming those feelings and feeling them and allowing and giving myself permission for them, it's been a lot easier to stand on the other side of them and say, okay, cool. I don't like it. Now, what am I going to do? How am I going to play this hand that I've been dealt? Because it's what I got. Now, that is so important. You, you brought up a really key point is pausing and saying, acknowledge how you feel because I too have personally felt that if I don't acknowledge those feelings, they fester, they grow, the resentment stays, and it holds me back from being all that I can as I'm trying to move forward. It's kind of like shoving lava down in a volcano. Like it's coming up eventually. <laughs> you might as well do it in a quiet time where you can express it. Yeah. And I think we are in a similar generation here where suck it up. We are trying to make our way in the corporate world. Again, we are a demographic female professionals, but it can be for anybody. We are trying to follow what we think the blueprint should be and not show or share our emotions, but you cannot separate what we do from the physiology of what is happening inside. There is chemistry, there is blood, there is things moving around and those chemical responses to what's happening within in the environment, have to give it due process. Yep. And it doesn't mean I'm going to walk in and pound my fist on the desk and say, I'm angry. You've got to do something about it. No, 
but it allows me to be able to work through that stuff and get over it so I can get on with it. So you took the leap. You, by choice, have made a lot of leaps yourself. (laughs) So what is it in you? Because I think there's something people can learn as well. What is it in who you are as a being that says, okay, I can do that. Let's move. I think part of it was experience. (laughs) My family took a bunch of leaps. And, you know, as an eight-year-old, as a 10-year-old, you leap with them. So we did all these big moves and big changes. We moved from Lake of the Ozarks, Missouri to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia. And that's a big change. And so having survived, quote unquote, survived so many big changes and big shifts, I think that's taught me that it's not that bad. And as Marie Forleo says, everything is for figure outable. You'll make it work. The more you get uncomfortable, the more you survive these things, the more you realize you're actually a really strong, awesome survivor human being. And so the more you put yourself in those positions and take those courageous steps, the better you get at it. So I love that insight from you is that what one can see as maybe like, oh, change happens to me, but you just said, oh my, I've got this superpower. I can look change in the face and I can beat the best of them. So let's move to your work. You do speaking, you do webinars, you do all kinds of workshops, but like, what do you love to do best? I'm curious. So about three months ago, during pandemic, I've done over 200 virtual presentations in the last year and a half. It has been like, I've gotten comfortable on camera as it were. And I was like, you know, maybe I like this better. And then I did a big keynote for the Michigan Association of Realtors last week. And then I did another in person this week. And I was like, oh, this, I forgot how great it is for people to like all laugh at your jokes and all talk and have that interaction in person. So my favorite, I've been doing a mental toughness workshop and keynote a lot lately. And it is all about how do we become stronger, more courageous, more change tolerant. And I think this is kind of my life's work of how do I help people be more courageous so that they can live that life that's fulfilling, strong and empowering and happy and you know, and then they're going to be nicer to me in the grocery store. So it's genuinely a selfish pursuit. I love your humor. <laughs> I love your energy. I wish I had half of it, but you know what? It's celebrating who we are and just putting it all out there. We cannot be that corporate image. I had somebody once tell me, Deb, stop being so stiff in front of the camera. Let it, let yourself come through and we should all do that. So what I'd love to know a little bit perhaps maybe is some of your work with organizations, you may come in, do a presentation, a webinar, et cetera. But when somebody contacts you and says, we need you, where are they at their business for which they believe your inspiration, your authority and change management can actually help them? What does it feel like? What does that client or customer look like? A lot of times, especially lately, it's been organizations that are just They've gone through a lot of change, both with the world and then within their organization to modernize or whatever. And the team is just, they've been working really hard. They're passionate. They're excited. They're engaged. They love what they're doing. And they're exhausted and burned out and tired and just change fatigued. And so I, I come in and I give them a breath of fresh air. I give them some tools to cope with it, whether it's, you know, how do we communicate effectively with each other? How do we build a team? And how do we act in that team in an emotionally intelligent way? Or how do we lead people in a way that they want to follow us? Giving those skills, sometimes I'll do follow-up videos, follow-up coaching to keep that conversation going. 
because it's such an important thing in adult learning, not only just a one and done doesn't hold on. And so continuing that conversation is a really important piece. So I love what you just said there, because so often when maybe you have an opportunity for improvement, you're meeting with your boss, maybe you don't have good confrontational skills, or you don't know how to do negotiation, they will sure send you out for a course, you might have a one on one and say, Hey, how did that go? And you say, Well, I've got these notes, I learned a few new things. I say, Okay, let us know how it's going. And we lack the mentorship to be able to evolve these new skills. And I I love the fact that what you do also is that follow-up work to give people an opportunity to try things out, ask questions, and evolve what they've learned. Yeah, because one class isn't going to magically make you better, especially at these soft skills. We're erasing habits that we've had for a long time and learning that happened if we're trying to change the way we deal with change or the way we interact with other people, the way we give feedback. It takes practicing it, messing it up, debriefing, saying, okay, what am I going to do next time? Trying it again. So these follow-up conversations have been really interesting because they bring up questions that people don't realize they have until they've tried to put it into action. And knowing that they're going to have that follow-up conversation makes them more likely to actually take the action because they know we're going to be talking about it again. So it actually makes change happen. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into, again, what you speak about and what you do without giving away your keynote, because I want people after we're done to connect with you, check you out and invite you into their organization. But you talk about the three things about emotional intelligence, courageous communication, and effectively dealing with change. And I think we've covered the effectively dealing with change. And I'm wondering... Can you talk just a little bit about the emotional intelligence, maybe why it's important and where have you seen maybe people struggle, the most common thing where people struggle and you help them get to a better place? Yeah. Emotional intelligence, the studies have shown that it is more important than time management, than having vision, than even your communication skills, because without emotional intelligence, you can't do those things. (laughs) You know, you can't effectively communicate without that empathy and stuff. So Emotional intelligence is huge. It's such a buzzword these days because it is so important. And the tough part is in dealing with other people, we can't control what anybody else does. So there's a degree of surrender (laughs) in emotional intelligence that people don't like. You're not doing things my way and I don't like that. You're not saying things the way that makes sense to me. So I don't like that. And there's this degree of allowing other people to be themselves, like stop expecting ourselves and other people. And that's such a tough thing. And it's the sort of cornerstone of emotional intelligence when it comes to the social piece. There's the self piece, but on the social side, it's stop expecting ourselves from other people. And that's hard. That's something interesting. I I would love to do a follow-up question. Now, you just said something, surrendering to the fact you can't change the other person. So it's understanding your reaction to that environment and how you interface. But what still drives me crazy is we can change how... We understand the situation, how we react to the situation, the individual. That's so frustrating because you can't change that other person. All you can do is just show up a little differently. Exactly. And that's the key to emotional intelligence, understanding that all I can do is take responsibility for what I'm doing and how it's getting me the results I do or do not want out in the world and how I can shift me because that's all I can control. All right. So I could talk for hours on emotional intelligence. I'd like to shift over now into courageous communications because when I do my blended learning or I mentor individuals or one-on-one coaching, I find that by changing a few words or a few phrases in how we speak, 
gives us more respect and visibility, and then we can do the work that we're meant to do. And I'm curious if there are your perspective on this, what you tease out or any tips or things that you focus on that people miss that could instantly help them to have more courageous communications. One of the things that I always start with when we're talking about courageously communicating, whether it's giving feedback, trying to solve problems, being assertive, asking for what you need, we want to be communicating in a way that people want to listen. They want to engage in the conversation with us. And in order for that to happen, there needs to be a basic underlying trust there. If I think that you're out to get me, that you're against me, if I don't have that foundation of trust, I'm already defensive when I walk into that conversation. So when I'm starting with communication, I'm always starting with, Think about the actions you're taking and the interactions you're having with that person. And is it building that relationship or not? Because ultimately, the little techniques that we can use to fine tune our communication are useless if that baseline of trust isn't there. So thinking about, and this goes back to emotional intelligence, what can I do to build that rapport quickly with somebody I'm just meeting, or how can I build and continue to nurture that relationship in a genuine way for those long-term relationships so that the communication becomes a lot easier? Without that, the techniques are, they're just techniques. You know, it's like the sandwich method of feedback, positive, negative, positive. I don't have that basic trust and I don't feel like you're genuine. I see it as a tactic. This really resonates with me because I talk about this in the CEO's Compass, your guide to get back on track. And one of the compass points in my book I talk about is the compass point of past and the compass point of pride, that we come into different teams all the time. We acquire new businesses. And so often we are just so focused on tactically making the change to bring people together and get everybody lockstep in the process. And this particular story that I tell in the book was I could have done that first, but I said, wait a second, we're acquiring a new team. I need to spend time understanding what made them so good that we wanted to acquire that team and bring them on board. And then what are those unique gifts that maybe they're not relevant now? but I paid due respect to understand them and maybe I'll need them in the future. So when crisis hits, yes, we had problems with this integration, but the people trusted us. They were resilient. They asked the right questions. They knew we had their back. We figured it out with minimal disruption to the customer. That foundation, the respect for the individual is so important to what you the work that you're doing. Yeah, it makes everything else easier, honestly. I mean, because not everything's going to be easy, period. But when we've got that foundation and we are all on the same page and on the same team and we feel good about working together, even when everything's going to heck in a handbasket, <laughs> it's a whole lot better because at least we've got each other. So I trust you and your work is absolutely amazing by virtue of even being referred to me and 200 <laughs> webinars and speeches that you have done. But ultimately, it's the people that you serve that validate the work that you're doing. So I am wondering if there was an individual or an organization or a team that says, thank you, this is how you changed us. Or you have a story how your work was able to make the change that the client wanted. Well, I mean, just the other day, I put on a mental toughness webinar and I did my own. Usually I'm doing it for companies. I'm doing it. People are paying me to come in and do it. But this one, I was like, we all need a little mental toughness right now. 
I was really excited about this workshop. And I said, you know what? I'm going to give it to my network as a gift. And so I sent it out, not knowing whether I'd have three people or 20 people or 100 people. I didn't know. You know, I was hoping for 25. And I'm like, all right, cool. Send it out to people. See what happens. And it was supposed to start at 9 a.m. 8.45. I'm thinking nobody's showing up. (laughs) And then 9 a.m., there were 20 people on. And I was like, great, awesome. And as I'm starting my introduction, I look down and all of a sudden there are 45 people on. And five minutes in, I look down, there are 86 people on. And so I was like, all right, these people trust me because there's no other reason for them to come here other than that they believe in what I'm bringing. And somebody even said after the session, we were chatting and she said, I attended one of your sessions in 2018. I'm still using those communication tactics. So I was really excited to come on today. And so I was like, that's great because one of the things that's important to me is that people walk away with things they can actually use. You can give me strategies and and like philosophies all day. And then I'll be like, wow, that's really cool. But if I don't know how I'm going to use it. So I always make sure that people walk away with stuff they can use. And when she said that on the call, I was like, yes, it worked, you know, and that was three years ago and four long years ago too. So it was, that was a really cool thing to see that the seeds I'm planting are actually growing. So for me, that's validating because, oh my, I am planting a lot of seeds. But honestly, some of the referrals that I have gotten in my business actually have been things that have been 18, 24, 10 years ago based on those relationships. So if you want more business now, oh my, you better hurry up and start planting a lot of seeds because it may take... It could take a month, it could take a year, it could take 10 years, but you never know who's listening and watching because I will share in my business, people are listening to the Drop-In CEO podcast. They're reading my content and they're coming to me maybe a month or two later. So, oh, yeah, I've been watching you for years. It's like, oh my, why haven't we connected? Why didn't you tell me? (laughs) I know there's that- I've been sitting here doing all this stuff. That pity party (laughs) that you have. Nobody's listening, but congratulations. Great success on that. I mean, obviously, if you believe in your work, and it resonates, the people will show. One last question you have, I just love, and I want to validate, you have a great big personality and that is part of your personal brand. Have you always been this way? I'm wondering. Oh yeah. My mom has a lot of gray hair because (laughs) (laughs) this is a great thing when you're 48 and have your own business and live on your own. But as a nine-year-old, boy, my parents had their hands full. But yes, I've always uh, this is decaffeinated energy too. I've always had this. People told me when I was in high school, oh, when you get to college, that energy will go away. Oh, when you get out in the working world, when you turn 40, well, I'm 48 and I'm still a complete tigger out in the world. So I finally have embraced it and said, hey, this is who I am. I'm able to show up a lot better because of it. Did you ever hold back at any point who you were? <laughs> I tried once and my head almost exploded. Um, no, I did. In fact, when I was in New York and I had that six-figure job that I thought I always wanted, I was being what I thought I needed to be. And I think that was part of why it was so uncomfortable. I think there were a lot of pieces of the puzzle that were saying this isn't the right place to be. And I think that was one of them where I was squashing myself and my spirit and the energy and I didn't feel like it was welcome there. I left. (laughs) 
I mean, and that's a beautiful point. Again, if it doesn't feel right, it probably is not right. So how quickly can you control the change versus having the change happen to you? So, and this has been an amazing conversation. Are there any last thoughts or resources you'd like to share with our audience? Yourchangespeaker.com is my website. If you jump on there, there's a free difficult people survival kit. There's a series of five videos. So if you want to grab that, jump on my website and I'll give Deb the link for that as well. You can grab a couple videos to help you deal with those people that are different from you. (laughs) We have to celebrate the differences and diversity in our society, but sometimes fitting those puzzle pieces together are a challenge. So I'm grateful that you have those videos and those tips. You have been an amazing guest. Love your energy. Love what you're doing to help others be their best, be more influential. I do wish you continued success in your work. Thank you, Anne. Thank you. You too. This podcast is phenomenal, so I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.